In today's show, trying something new, I'm going to be looking at some fantasy basketball trades, giving my thoughts on those trades, and seeing uh, yeah, maybe who won, who lost, both teams won, both teams lost. You know how it works in fantasy basketball trades. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. Are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Again, just trying something a little bit new here. So I had people in the Discord server submit some trades, whether they've been executed or not. So I could just have a bit of a look at them and see, just delve into some discussion on trade theory, on value of players and how to look at these trades. So we'll see how it goes. If you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment down below and let me know at the end what you think of this format and how it can be improved. You can tweet it at me as well. Let's talk about the first one of these trades I'm going to look at. Is a nine-cat head-to-head league. I'm going to assume it's a 12-team league. And the first trade we're looking at here is DeMar DeRozan and Shake Milton. Traded for Jimmy Butler and Kobe White. Now, there's two ways of, well, there's multiple ways of looking at this, but there's two ways of really looking at this. You know, looking at trying to, trying to look at forward-facing value on this deal or looking at what's happened. In, and they are wildly, wildly different. And that's, I think, why I wanted to focus on this trade here. DeMar DeRozan, if I'm looking at the DeRozan and Milton side, like Milton, I am I don't know whether he is going to remain anywhere near what he's currently been doing. I think he probably is still worth having in as a 12-team league player. But what he's currently doing has been amazing. Jimmy Butler, on the other hand, dealing with this ankle problem, it's it's not ideal. We don't know how long he's going to be out. He's missed a ton of games already this year, and he wasn't great in most of those. Kobe White's also struggling. But if I try and project this trade out, looking at the Butler and White side, it probably I didn't mean to say White side there. Um, it, I think it's I think it's a big win to get Jimmy Butler and Kobe White. I think you gain more in terms of scoring. I think you probably gain a little bit more in terms of threes. You get more rebounding out of it. You get your marginally more assists out of it. You probably get more steals out of it. You lose a little bit on your percentages. But overall, I think the value um, works in the favor of, of getting Butler and White. But if you look at what they've done so far this season, even on a per-game basis, it's the same dis- the same difference in terms of value, but swinging the other direction. DeRozan's been the 30th ranked player. Milton's been the 77th. Jimmy Butler's been 34th, while Kobe White's been 113th. You know, White's been shooting poorly. He's not scoring at the level that we hoped he would. You know, in this sort of deal, if you're getting Butler and White, based on what they've done, you're losing in scoring. You're losing in block numbers. Your field goal percentage is significantly worse. So it is a matter of, do I want to trust exactly what they've done? Or do I want to try and face forward and get an understanding that guys like Butler and White, who are probably both buy lows at the moment, uh, for a guy like Shake, who's probably somewhat of a sell high? 
And I think understanding the difference there, and that is where you can extract value when we're looking at trades, is trying to get the person who's basing it on what's already happened versus the guy who's looking forward to what may happen in the future. So in general, I would take that Jimmy Butler and Kobe White side. I, I would do that you know, pretty much every single time. But there's an argument to be made, considering how the production's gone so far from both of these guys, that you'd want the DeRozan and Milton side. Let me know what you think. If you're down uh, here in the comments watching this or, or on the chat on the premiere, which side would you take? DeRozan and Milton or Butler and White? I might put up some Twitter polls about this as well. All right, let's move on to the next trade. And we're talking a 12-team points league trade, which again, I, I know it's easy enough to to say uh, points leagues, just look at who's scoring the most points. And to a degree, there, there is some truth to that. But it's also about you know, what these guys have done, what you project them to do, who goes up, who goes down. And two-for-one trades make that a little bit more difficult. So in a 12-team points league, I'll assume standard uh, Yahoo scoring here, standard uh, for default points league, Anthony Davis, traded for Zion Williamson and Ja Morant. Interesting, the number one and number two picks from last year's draft. So I think that is a very interesting trade to look at. Um, now, before I give the numbers and talk about it, again, what do you think? What do you think about this trade? If we look at what they've done so far this season, Anthony Davis is averaging 45 fantasy points per game, Ja's averaging 38, and Zion's averaging 37. So you're getting 75 points back per game in a Morant and Williamson deal, and you're giving up 45 in a Davis trade, which of course 75 is significantly larger than 45. But we know that's, or we should know, that's not how trades work. Because if you're giving up Anthony Davis and getting two players back, unless you've already got an open roster spot, you have to drop somebody. So who are you dropping? And is that player that you're dropping, are they worth 30 fantasy points? Most likely, and usually the back-end player in your team is a 24 to 25-point performer. So if we factor that in, that's giving up 70 fantasy points and getting 75 back, which seems like a no-brainer. But you have to look at who that last guy is on your roster because that is the key portion of this. Now, if I have a look at how this all looks in terms of my forward-facing projections, it's pretty similar. I've got Anthony Davis, maybe 49 a game, and there's Jar and Zion side getting 79 a game. So again, there's a 30 spot, 30 projected uh, fantasy point difference between the two. Is your worst player a 30-point guy or is he a 22-point guy? Or or the other way you look at it is, is that worst guy on your roster, maybe he gets 22 fantasy points per game. But if I stream that through and get seven games out of it, that's, let's say 20 points, make the maths easier, 140 points extra per week. Is that difference... 140 extra points for the week by streaming in 20 fantasy point performers every day, assuming you've got the ability to, let's say you don't have the ability to do seven a week. Let's say you've got uh, 100 per week, 100 points. So five acquisitions, you can get five extra games there. Let's say you can get 100 points out of that slot. So you can get 100 points out of that slot. Let's say on average, Anthony Davis plays three games, three and a half games per week, which gives us 175 fantasy points. So 275 fantasy points per game. And then you, you you look there, and the 79 that you get from Jar and from Zion combined, you're three and a half times that, we're looking at 260 per game. So maybe it's not as clear-cut as it seems. 
And that's why league settings are important. If you can add only, you've got two acquisitions for the week, then that streaming spot is nowhere near worth as much. If you can add unlimited players for the week, that Anthony Davis plus a streaming spot is significantly more valuable. So having a look at it that way, I think is is super important. And that is that is where some of the craft that comes in in dealing with a trade in a points league is. Let's go to the next trade. It is another points league trade, but this one a little bit different. ESPN default scoring, 14-team points leagues. LeBron James. LeBron James. Obi Toppin. I don't want to hear any more about Obi-Wan. Those guys getting traded for Keldon Johnson and John Collins. So two average-ish players in Keldon and John, and LeBron and Obi Toppin. So let's have a look. What what have what does this trade look like over the course of the season so far? But remember, we're talking about ESPN points league, so different format, but 14 team leagues. So the guys on the waiver wire will be you know, valued differently. Maybe they're an 18 point per game player versus you know, a 24, 25 point per game player. So far this season, if we look at what these guys um, have been able to do and their production so far this season. The combination of LeBron and Toppin has averaged 56 fantasy points. The combination of John Collins and Calden Johnson has averaged 62 fantasy points on ESPN. So that John Collins and Calden Johnson side is the winner in that trade, in that scenario. But again, if I flip it over to my remaining projections and my long-term view of this trade, LeBron and Toppin is probably 63 fantasy points. Collins and Calden is 61 fantasy points. So how do you want to view that? Do you think, you know, I think John Collins' productions may be going to fall off as the rest of the season goes. Um, I think LeBron is going to get a bit better than what he's shown. So that's why we see those numbers. You know, 62 versus 61 is not that different. But one thing I want to highlight here is that we're talking yeah, LeBron and Obi Toppin. I think that you can find better value on the waiver wire than Obi Toppin in a 14-team ESPN points league. You'd be able, he's like a 14 fantasy point per game player. You can find an 18, 19 player, point player on the wire, and you can stream that through. So while the LeBron and Toppin side gives you a one-point advantage in just pure projections, if you drop Toppin and get an 18 to 19 point player in, that gives you a six-point advantage, and then you can stream that in, and that might give you a 10-point advantage. So you're looking at that trade, if you look at current production, the Johnson and Collins side wins. But when you try and look forward at it and then use a little bit of thought process thinking, well, actually, what am I doing here with, with Toppin at all? If I just drop him and stream that spot in, then it is significantly more valuable for me to have that LeBron James and Obi Toppin side when doing a deal. So let me know what you think about that deal. Drop it down below in the comments. And the last one we're going to look at here, we're going to go back to a category league. It's a 10-team, nine-category league, and it's a big one. It's a three-teamer. James Harden, Christian Wood, and DeMontis Sabonis for Julius Randle, Jalen Brown, and Big Chungus, Nikola Jokic. Now, the first thing that I say to you if you're preventing me this trade is why? Why would you trade three out of your 13 players for another three players? It changes quite a bit about your team. Like That is the number one question. If you are asking me this thing, I say, why are you doing it? Look, what are, you, what are you trying to achieve in this deal? If we have a look at what these players have currently done so far this season, the overall value gain from getting Jokic, Brown, and Randall makes that side a win. 
But what, what do you what do you actually get? You gain in points, you gain in assists, you gain in steals, you gain in both percentages based on what's happened this season. But you lose in threes, you lose in rebounds, and you lose in blocks. So you're, you're gaining across five categories according to what they've done so far. You're losing in three categories. In general, that's a win, but it may or may not be. It really depends on what we're looking at in terms of your team. Is your team a team that is you know, so far behind in assists that that marginal gain means nothing? Are you the second best team in terms of blocks and losing someone like Christian Wood means that you go from a player that wins blocks most weeks to someone who doesn't win majority of the time? Like, And while you're know, looking at pure vacuum value of that, that might seem fine. Well, I gain in assists and I lose in blocks. That's fine. It evens out, but it doesn't. Because if you were the seventh best team in assists beforehand and you go and you go from seventh to fourth, does it really make that much of a difference? If you were second in blocks and you go from second to sixth, it makes a big difference, even though their perceived value is the same. But if then I look at how I, I project this sort of deal to move in the future, I think that you're having that wood and harden side of things is probably a better option. I think that Jalen Brown is going to lose a little bit. I think some of his two-point shooting will regress and maybe some of his usage comes down. I think that some of Randall's numbers will come down a little bit. And I think that Harden's numbers will improve. So yeah, in the way that I'm looking at it now, though, I think if you're if you're keeping the Harden side, it probably is the better way to go. But still in that scenario, based on how I project things out, it's not it's not just as clear cut in that. You know, if you are getting if you're getting the Jokic and Randall and Brown side, you're probably getting more assists back still. But you're losing in scoring, you're losing in threes, and perhaps your percentages lose out as well. But it, it is so dependent on what you're doing in that trade as to whether it makes sense to you. And analyzing that sort of stuff in a vacuum, again, I, I think I would prefer just to keep the hardened side in general, but it might not be what you want. You might be in the situation where you need more assists and getting Jokic and Randall is much better than having Harden and, and Wood. Um, oh, and Sabonis obviously gives those assists too, but then I guess you, you're going to compare um, someone like Wood with Jalen Brown, like who gets more assists out of that group, and that might be what's more important to you. So it's you know the, the, the differences between these, these players are so minute you know, the field goal percentage, it could be very similar. The free throw percentage, it probably ends up being pretty similar in general between those two groups. Um, you lose some in rebounds. You lose some in three-pointers made. But it is really, really close. And it, it does come down to team need a lot. So in general, doing a trade like this, it's, it's I can't just say there's a winner and a loser. And I think that's how you have to view a lot of these deals. Harden and Jokic, number one for number two. Sabonis and Wood, we're talking top 30, two top 40 players. Yeah, top 30, let's say. Randall and Brown, again, two top 30, top 40 players. So the overall value might seem close and it might skew depending on whether you're looking at current production or future production. Does that actually make your team better? If you've got a definitive thought on this trade, let me know. I would probably keep the Harden side of things because I think Randall Brown will, will fall off a little bit and I think Jokic might actually have a bit of a drop, whereas I think Harden can improve. But it's all dependent on your team. So let me know what you think. Okay, let me know what you think about all four of those traits. 
But let me, let me know what you think about the format of this show. What can I do differently? What can I do better? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Drop it in the comments below. Tweet it at me, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.